You're listening to a Bible lesson taught in the youth group at Trinity Baptist Church. We hope this Bible lesson will help and encourage you as you seek to live for the Lord. I'm going to read it. I want you to pay attention to it because hopefully by the time we get to the end of the series, you'll hear 2 Peter 1, 1 through 11 and you'll be familiar with it enough that you have a handle. Every time you hear this passage preached, you'll be like, oh yeah, I know what knowledge is. I know what virtue is. I know what faith is. And you'll it'll roll right off your tongue. So that's what I want. So 2 Peter 1, 1 through 11, I'm going to read it. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, to the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. All right, pause. What is virtue? So I tell you what virtue is. Rachel, it is excellence. How do we how do we find it? Excellence, but how else do we find it? What was the street definition? Marks. Not the urban dictionary definition, but the street definition. Go ahead. Yeah, yes, yes. Excellence defined by being with your purposes. What are the three things that stop me from virtue? Stop me from making where God wants me, Andrew. Satan, the world, and sin. Satan, the world, and Flesh. Flesh. All right. How, how do they? How do they stop me? All right. You got it. You're right. The three things are: how do they stop me? How does Satan stop me from accomplishing my purpose, Kirkland? Um, the world distracts. The devil deceives, and the flesh right. destructs. You're right. No desires. Desires. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The devil and the, I want you to get this because you're going to need this tonight as we look at temperance. You're going to need this. All right. The world distracts me. Remember I told you that the world around you, whether it be materialism, whether it be the latest fashion, whether it be the latest music, whatever, it is going to distract you from trying to be accomplish the purpose God has put you on earth for. So, you can make it through your teenage years and not be a bad teenager. Well, you know what, Pastor Burton? I don't fill in the blank. I don't like so-and-so does. You can go through your whole life. Not being bad, but you can go through your whole life being distracted, and that distraction takes you from accomplishing your purpose. Satan deceives you. Everything we talked about, everything he says is a lie. He is the father of lies. Jesus Christ said it. You're reading your Bible in red letters. Devil is the father of lies. Everything he tells you is not the truth. He will deceive you into believing it. And he's going to, as we look at temperance, he has totally deceived, the devil has totally deceived us as it comes to distraction. I mean, as it comes to deceiving us in our own lives. So, the devil distracts, the world, I mean, the world distracts, the devil deceives, and my flesh desires. As we talk about temperance again tonight, this is key. My flesh desires a lot of things. It desires to do things that are inappropriate. It desires to do things that are immoral. My flesh is a terrible thing. As Paul said, I know that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. See, my flesh will lead me to do a lot of things just because... I enjoy them, even if they're destructive. That's why a person on drugs will do drugs, because they enjoy it. Now, we'd all sit here in the the room and say, that's the dumbest thing you could do. Why would you inject that in your body? Why would you put this in your body? Because my body delights in this. I enjoy it. 
We listen to music that would be harmful to us. Why do we do it? Well, I enjoy it. My flesh will cause me to delight all the way to destruction. It's like the mouse going for the cheese. I like that, and I'm going to delight myself in it all the way until my flesh brings me to destruction. All right? So those are the three things. Now I want you to keep those. So let's get back to our passage and read through. Verse number in verse number three. I mean, end of verse number five. And beside this, giving all diligence, had your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge. All right, what was knowledge? We talked about this last two weeks ago. What is knowledge? I thought Brittany was going to raise her hand, but she was just stretching. <laughs> knowledge is not science, even though it does have something to do with. All right, let me give you a hint since you did so good with uh, virtue. You know knowledge? Good, see? Yeah, good. Way to cheat. No, I mean, it's not cheating. It's good that you pull out your hand out from before and read it. That's why I print them off. So go ahead. <laughs> the education of my heart about who God is and what he desires. Yes, all right. So virtue is my purpose. Knowledge is me getting in the word of God to find out who God is. And what he desires of me. I told you guys this. If I can go by all the stereotypes right now, if I went and picked up a book on how to do things, 10 things your wife would love for you to do. And somewhere in that list, I read that my wife would love for me to go buy her a bouquet of roses. And I say, oh man, this part right here says that would make me the man of the year on Friday to Valentine's Day if I pull up with a bouquet full of roses. And you know what? That may work for lots of women. But I know my wife. And if I walked in with a bouquet of roses, my wife would be like, why in the world did you waste all that money? We could have done something else. Now, if I walked in there with a Starbucks gift card and said, here you go, happy Valentine's Day, dear. <laughs> She'd still say, yeah, exactly. It's still a waste of money. She'd be like, oh, you shouldn't have, but thank you so much. for." <laughs> and you know why? Because I know my wife. And the same thing comes up. Knowledge is this. Knowledge is I get in the word of God to find out more about God and what he has for me. We listen to a lot of things about God. We hear messages about God all the time. But do you know God? And if you don't know God, you don't know what he likes. You don't know what he desires of you. And if you're not in his word, it doesn't matter what you heard, who God is, what you heard God likes. You've got to get to know him. And so the Bible says this, add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge. And tonight we're going to talk about temperance. Let's keep reading. Verse 6, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things, he who lacketh knowledge, he who lacketh virtue, is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an interest shall be ministered unto you abundantly to the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, as we jump in, we have not yet prayed at all during this whole uh, little time we have together. So, let's stop, pray, ask God to help us as we jump in this fast, and let's look at temperance. Lord, we thank you so much, God, for the night you gave us, and thank you for these young people and their faithfulness. God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as we look in this passage and look at temperance. God, this is totally anti-everything our culture tells us about young people, Lord, in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that we would grasp your word and not take for granted the things that we know again. And, Lord, the things that we believe to be true. But, Lord, let's grab your word tonight. Help us. We need your help. Thanks for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So let's grab your hand out. All right. I have on the top there, while cultivating the pursuit of Christ's likeness, virtue, 
captures the heart. So your purpose captures the heart. Cultivating knowledge. Find out who God is. Informs your heart. Tonight, cultivating self-control. Self-control, temperance, trains the heart. What is temperance? Go ahead and write it down. I'll give you the simple definition. Temperance is self-control. Temperance is self-control. After I've said it like 15 times. Temperance, self-control. First Corinthians 9, 24-27. Somebody read this passage for me. It's on the handout. You don't have to turn anywhere. It's easy. Somebody stand up and read First Corinthians 9, 24-27. Go ahead, Josh. Just stand up and read it. Know ye not that which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the majesty is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perpetual crown, but we all right, so there's your Bible definition of temperance self-control. How many of you guys have stopped to watch the Olympics at any point in, your, in the last couple of days? How many of you guys saw last night's Olympics when Sean White did not quite make his goal and I felt bad for Sean White. I stayed up just to watch Sean White to see since uh, I was like, oh man, he's gonna, they say he's going to do something awesome. He's going to do something awesome and then I didn't see anything awesome and he, and he lost and I felt I did feel bad for him there as he was like expected to get the gold and then he walks away and he's like interview after interview and you can see like he's holding back like the disappointment of anything that yeah I expected to come and get four gold medals. I was going to get the third one in this and I was going do the other thing, get the other, and he lost all of it. And so the frustration. As Paul in First Corinthians talking to the church of First Corinthians, in this passage that Josh just read, he gives an illustration. This is what I want us to base temperance on, our self-control. He says this. And every man, the second verse, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we incorruptible. I therefore so run that is uncertainty only, so fight I as not as one that beateth the ear, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Now, I want you to stay with me tonight because I'm going to tell you the principle of temperance in our culture is anti everything we hear. You watch a, a television commercial, it's going to tell you the opposite of scriptural temperance. Temperance says, I put my body, myself, under subjection. Just as an athlete would. These Olympic athletes, they don't go, they don't, most of those Olympic athletes are not going to be, even though they're finally made it to the Olympics, they're not going to be, as worldly as they may be, laying up all night with a beer in their hand, watching this, the Olympics. Why? Because they have trained too hard to get where they're at. So they look at it and they're like, I'm not going to do that because I have a goal. Hey, man, why, why don't you go and do this with your body? No, no, I, I, I've got to keep my body in peak physical condition so I can ski off the side of a mountain and jump really high. And I have to do that. And you would look at and they would say, no, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. See, now this is where it all connects. Your purpose is to be like Christ so that when people see you, they see Jesus Christ as a believer. And you're going to gain knowledge by going through and getting the word of God and finding out I know who God is and I know what he expects of me. Now comes temperance where I train myself to follow God and his word. Paul says this, I keep my body under subjection 
There's a lot of things I would like to do, but I don't do them. You know what? He says, and he even gives a thing. He says, the athlete does it. They do it to obtain a corruptible crown. Those Olympians, they want to stand up on the top, put their head down as their country is honored, and they get that medal. And that's what they're fighting for. That's why they've trained for four years, hardcore, to get to where they're at. But Paul says, you know what? I don't fight as one that beats the air. I'm not just not doing this for the fun of it. He's like, I'm doing it because of my purpose. See? I'm, I'm doing this. Because I desire to please Christ, for to me to live is Christ. Now, this is what I'm saying. This is anti-everything the world tells us. Because, see, right now the world tells you you're a teenager. You've got time to make mistakes. You've got time to do whatever. I mean, if, it, if you feel like it, go ahead and try, experiment, go ahead and do these things. But that is contrary to the Word of God. By every stretch of the imagination, Paul says, no, I bring my body under subjection. Paul says, I am in control of the Apostle Paul because I have a purpose to accomplish. And in our lives, we have to be in control of ourselves. You know what? That's two ways. Whether it's something good or something bad. See, if I'm controlling my body, there are some things Olympic athletes do that are fine things to do. Hey, if you went out, any other person could go out and whatever. I know some of you guys, when you play sports, you quit drinking a soda. Now, I know you can go down to, to the uh, clinic, and I'm sure, and they'll show you some kind of charts of what soda does to your inside. But for the most of us, we say, hey, there's nothing wrong with grabbing uh, a soda and drinking a soda. Nobody's, I don't hear too many preachers preaching against drinking sodas because it's sinful, and your body is the temple of God. It's not, it's, <laughs> but, but there are certain times where some of you, or even an Olympic athlete would say, you know what, I'm not going to do that because I have a purpose in my life. There are some things that are fine. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside every weight in the sin that so does easily beset us. There are some things that are good that when you're in control of yourself, you're going to say, I'm not going to do those things. But there are some things, and that's exactly where our mind goes. There are some things that are terribly wrong. Terribly wrong. That my flesh loves. My flesh desires to do. Man, our culture is filled with it. There are things that I can go sit in front of my computer and I can see that are wickedly wrong. There are things that I can put headphones on and listen to that are wickedly wrong. There are things I can turn on the television and find out wickedly wrong. There are things that I can talk to my friends with that are wickedly wrong. And my flesh desires it. It does. But this is where I come, like the Apostle Paul. I have a purpose. And my purpose is to be like Christ. And so when other people see me, Christ is magnified in me. And you know how I'm going to do this? I get in the knowledge of God. I found that, hey, illustration I gave about my wife and flowers. Hey, you know what? Some people think it's okay for you to say this word. But you know what? As I get to know God, and I get to be in his word, I'm just not going to do that. Man, there's a lot of people who think it's okay to do this. But as I, as I get to know God, I don't know if God would be pleased for me to do that. So I'm not. As, he, as I gain that knowledge that we talked about two weeks ago, and I put in with temperance, now I'm going to start training myself to come under the subjection of the Word of God. And see, this is a, because we don't like people to tell us we can't do something. 
Whatever it is. If I told you something random, hey, you can't do this. And all of a sudden, it wasn't even on your radar. Now it's like, I gotta find a way. To, I gotta find a way. Just like I told you guys before, if I said, don't go to whatever, whatever.com, and I told you tonight, some of you be right down on your handout, and as soon as we walked out of here, you'd be like, what's that? www.badreallybadsite.com I don't see what, what he would not want me to see and you would go do it. Why? Because I don't want anybody to tell me not to do. I don't want anybody else to tell me and I definitely don't want to tell myself not to do something. Hey, I'm going to say to myself, I'm not going to. We don't want to do that. So let's look at it on our handout. What does temperance look like? What does timorous look like? We know all these. These are all familiar stories. So I'm not even going to go down to too much time, Lord William, any of them. What does timorous look like? Timorous looks like Joseph in Genesis 39, 2 through 10. Genesis 39, 2 through 10. Joseph. Timorous looks like this. Yes, ma'am. What about these blanks right here under? You can write down any thoughts that come to your mind as I teach. If it's like unicorns and rainbows... Just write a U and R and keep That's listening, though. Just oh, <laughs> sorry, I wasn't trying to insult, insult you. My bad. <laughs> oh, insulting temperance. Got you. Yes. All right. As, but as we uh, look at Joseph and what it looks like, Joseph is temperance. All right. Put yourself in Joseph's spot for just a second. Your brothers have sold you into slavery. Okay. And it's not just uh, oh, we think we can get some money. Huh? They were going to kill him. Like, they desired to kill him, throw him in a pit, and leave him. That's how much love his brothers had for him. Now, I know that we think that we had that kind of hatred, but I'm hoping that none of us are there with our siblings. But they, his brothers sell him. He is now a slave owner. I mean, owned by a slave owner in Egypt. And he works his way up. We know the story. Bible says that Joseph is given second command in all Potiphar's house. Everything that comes in Potiphar's house goes through Joseph, except for Potiphar's wife. Now, in our culture, we would get on a talk show. We would sit down. They'd be sitting down with an interview, and they'd be like, I don't think there's anything wrong with Joseph doing this to Potiphar's wife. I don't think there's anything wrong with this. I mean, Joseph enjoys doing whatever. And we'd have this whole long discussion. But that is counter everything the Word of God says. And Joseph, although it is something that would look like, hey, this is nothing that bad, looks at Potiphar's wife and says, I cannot do this sin against my God. And he gets thrown in jail for it. This is what temperance looks like. I keep my body in suggestion. There is something that goes against God. And I, with God's help, as I get to know him, I say, you know what? As I get to know my God, that's not what God would please. Number two, Daniel, Hebrew children. We know the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I, Hazariah, and Mishael. And Daniel, sitting down at the king's meet. And this is where, this, see, Joseph, I, don't think, I, don't, I hope there's nobody in here that would argue for Joseph and say, well, I don't think he really had to. I don't think anybody. But when it comes to Daniel and his friends, I bet if we really sat down and had a real conversation 
and we said, hey, if you were in a foreign country, you got taken, your mom, you got pulled away from your family, kidnapped at the age you are right now, and someone told you to eat something that you weren't supposed to eat, I'm sure most of us would have just said, if we're just having a serious conversation, honestly, I would have ate it. They pull you up to the table. You've been taken away from your family. You've probably watched people get killed in this, as Nebuchadnezzar's troops take people away. You've watched people do things like horrible to people as you get carried away. And then now you're sitting at the table and he says, eat this. And most of us would probably, as I said, having a real conversation. If we're in Joseph, I think most of us, even with the spiritual answer, we'd say, well, I, I'd be like Joseph, even if we would. But in this, most of us would say, I would feed But here comes temperance, combined with my purpose and the knowledge of God. Daniel, I have a purpose, and that is to bring honor and glory to Jehovah, not anybody else. So when I sit down at this meat offered to idols, Daniel says, sir, I can't eat this. It's not that big of a deal. Come on, man. It's just a steak. Just eat the steak, move on, and then like try and witness in some other way about how good God is. Daniel says, I can't do that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Minigar, I don't know. The Bible says Daniel was a spokesperson, so I don't know if they put their forts down to it and say, you know what? We're not going to do that. The, the president of the says, hey, there's something wrong. I'm going to get my, I love you, Daniel, but I'm going to get my head chopped off if I don't, if you guys come to the, before the king looking like worse than everybody else. And Daniel says, why don't you try us, please? Because I cannot do it. The Bible says he purposed in his heart. This is temperance. I get to know my God. At some point in his life, Daniel sat down with whether it was his mom and dad or someone. They taught him the word of God. And he knew as he sat down at this meal that I cannot do this. And I'll do whatever it takes. Now, this goes against even our Christian culture. We're going to talk about it in just a little bit when we go to Peter and what Jesus tells Peter. But this goes even against our Christian culture. It's kind of like, well, just kind of do it to fit in. If people are going around, you don't want to go to a bunch of people and tell them they're, they're wrong because what they're doing. No, Daniel said, no, I can't do it. Lastly, Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. This is temperance. Jesus has not eaten for 40 days. Now, I know how many of you, I mean, it's not because we're trying to have any uh, great show off spiritually or anything like that, whether you have or not. But how many of you have ever attempted fasting for, for multiple times? You've attempted fasting. I have myself. And I've, I remember uh, we had one in Florida, one time in our church in Florida. We were going to fast for two or three days. I think they were going to fast a day and then two or three days for a revival service. And I remember thinking, I'm going to try. And I remember trying to fast. And I remember after the end of the first day. I was, that night, my head hurt so bad. Like, I was so sick, because I was like, I just need to eat anything. Like, I had drank so many bottles of water, because they said we could drink water. And I mean, I had gone through bottle after bottle after bottle of water. It was like, I'm hungry. Drink a bottle of water. And it's like, at the end of the day, I was like, I am so hungry. And so, I grabbed a piece of bread, and I ate a piece of bread. And I'm like, trying to make it through the fasting thing. I'm like, Lord, I can't even focus on you when I'm supposed to be praying, because all I can think of is, I just need something to eat. Like, Lord, I can't make this. And I, now, I put myself now in Jesus' position. Jesus has not eaten for 40 days. This is temperance. The devil comes to him and says, Hey, why don't you take those stones right there? Make them bread. Now, honestly, we just had to, I would love to say that in the Daniel, the Joseph story, nah, the Daniel story, 
I hope I was spiritual enough. But in the Jesus story, you know what? I'd have just been like, poof, those are bread. And I would have been like, oh. And I would have been, I would have been tearing up because Aaron Burden does not have that kind of temperance. But Jesus looks at Satan and says, man shall not live by bread alone. He starts to quote the Old Testament and says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth forth from the mouth of God. Now, he is God. He could have done whatever he felt and chose to do. But Jesus looked at it, and when the devil approached him, because the devil deceives me into not accomplishing my purpose, Jesus looked right at the devil after he had night in 40 days and 40 nights and said, No, I'm not going to do that. See, this is what temperance looks like, and this is not what we look like. See, we make excuses for why we don't walk with God. We make excuses why we're not in control of our bodies. I didn't have time to read my Bible because fill in the blank. Temperance says, in everything, I am in control. That means something as simple as I go to bed on time and I get up on time so that I can make things happen. It means I shut things off and so that I can focus on other things. See, temperance is a huge thing that is not what we are characterized by in our society. And I put Aaron Burden right there. Man, temperance says that I can take my phone because I'm in control. I know my God. I know what I need to accomplish. I can put it down and it can buzz a hundred times. But I am focused on a purpose. And see, we don't think that high. We don't put ourselves there. I have a purpose to accomplish. Right now, God has put you in school. So you know what? Everything that stops you from accomplishing the purpose that God has for you right now should be secondary. See, temperance says, I'm going to put myself in control just as the Olympic athlete. Paul says, I put my body under subjection. See, we think of, we always think of temperance as a sexual thing almost. But temperance is everything. I am in control with God's help of me. That means I focus. Well, Pastor Burden, I'm ADD and I can't focus. No, the reason is, and I say it's nicely, and I'm not saying that there aren't some people who may have some kind of difficulty, but for the most part, it's just we don't have self-control. I say things, I get mad. And I fly off the handle at my family members. Let me tell you why. It's not because I have a temper problem. It's because I don't have self-control. And see, God says, add to your faith, your knowledge of Christ. Like, you are a believer now. You're not unsaved. You add to that faith virtue. A purpose. Excellence in your life to magnify Jesus Christ. And then add to that virtue knowledge. Now that I have that virtue, now that I know my purpose, I begin to find out about Christ. I grab my Bible and I, listen, and I find out who Jesus is and what he wants for me. And then as I find out, I establish temperance. Now I'm going to start training myself to look like Christ. Let's do it. Why is temperance so important? That is not my handout. Why is temperance so important? Jesus calls every disciple to deny themselves and follow him. Jesus calls every disciple to deny himself and follow him. Now, watch this, because this is anti-our Christian culture right here. See, we say, when you get saved, man, you, you'd like to get saved today because your life will be so much better. 
Man, God will be there to help you. This is going to be, and we paint Christianity. We are great marketers for Christianity. Okay? Let's read this passage. Matthew 16, 21. I want you to see this on your handout. Because this is Jesus talking. From that time forward began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things with the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. Okay? So Jesus is going, he's now starting to teach his disciples. Say, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer a lot. And they're going to kill me, but I'm going to rise again the third day. All right? So this is Jesus telling So listen. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. So Jesus says, Now, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer a lot of things, and I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. Peter. Bible says rebukes God. Lord, no, don't say stuff like that, Jesus. You're not, they're not going to kill you. They're not going to do anything to you. You are fine, Jesus. And listen to what Jesus says to Peter. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense to me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto the disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Here's where temperance brings us. On a petty scale, small, petty, temperance is this. I'm supposed to be doing my homework, but since, you know what, I've got a lot going on, I'm supposed to be doing my homework, but I'm going to shut my phone off, I'm going to cut whatever off, and I'm going to focus on my homework, that is temperance, I'm in control of my body. Temperance is something as small as Aaron Burden saying, you know what, I'm not going to do this because God has a purpose for me. It goes to bigger, sin in my life. There's a lot of things my, my flesh desires to do. Lots of things my flesh desires to have, desires to listen to, desires to put into my mind. And as I have those things I desire, I am in control. And I say, you know what? With God's help, as I've gotten to know Him, I'm going to push those things away from my life. But you know what? That is small compared to what Jesus has called us to do. Because see, here it comes. This is why we need temperance. This is why we're commanded for it. Because the Bible says, Jesus says, anyone who comes after me and calls himself a follower of Christ must deny himself. That means that we henceforth live, would not live unto ourselves. And see, this is totally different than what we as Christians call our Christianity. See, temperance says this. I am in control for the purpose of bringing honor and glory to Jesus Christ, no matter what. Jesus is going to Jerusalem. And he says, I am going to Jerusalem. Jesus knows my purpose is, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, look into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Okay, so Jesus knew he came to earth to die. He knew that there was going to be ungodly men that would slap and spit in his face. But temperance says, that's my purpose. And so I'm going to give up everything. You know, that way. And so he's telling his disciples this. He's teaching his disciples the Bible. So he starts to teach his disciples this. Hey, guys, I am going to go to Jerusalem. Some terrible things are going to happen, and I am going to die. 
Peter looks at him with our type of Christianity. God, Jesus, none of, none of these things are going to happen to you. Don't, don't even say that. Don't even talk like that, Jesus. And Jesus looked at Peter and he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou, Sarah, you desire the things that appeal to men. I want to do things that appeal to Aaron. I want to please me. And see, Jesus was so far beyond that. And I hope I don't lose you guys with this because temperance is so much bigger than me controlling myself. It is me finding out my purpose and then going like Jesus Christ. The reason Jesus Christ didn't turn bread and the stones into bread back in Matthew chapter 4 is because he had an ultimate goal. And that goal is the cross to die for our sins. And nothing stopped him from that goal. You know why Jesus let men slap him in his face and beat him and hang him on a cross? Because his goal, his purpose was to pay for our sin he had a purpose and he said you know what i'm gonna go i know my father you read john chapter 17 and he talks about how him the relationship of him and his father and he says you know what i'm going to calvary and Timberland says you know what i'm going to put myself in subjection everything aaron burton wants everything i mean everything jesus wants everything the things jesus wants to do in his flesh he was a human being who felt and desired things just like us and he said i put all that aside because i have one purpose and that is to the cross Can I tell you why we struggle with the doing? Why we can talk about listening to music over and over again. We can talk about watching stuff on TV over and over again. We can talk about stuff on the internet over and over again. How in my own life I struggle with things over and over again. Because I have not yet got to the point where I understand that I have a purpose. And as I get to know my God, I find out he does not desire for me to do this. But he does desire me to do this. And as that athlete that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, I begin to put my body in subjection. I say, you know what? This right here that I'm doing is not accomplishing the purpose that God put me on earth here for. So I'm not going to do that. And I start to train myself to live for God. And see, this is where our Christianity is nowhere at. Because, see, our Christianity is fine and happy to sit where we're at, to come to church and to do all the things and just say, you know what, I'm a follower of Christ. When, if we read that passage we just read, we are not followers of Christ. We are followers of ourselves. And we do what we desire to do. And Paul says, and Peter says in this passage, add to your faith virtue your purpose and that knowledge you get to know God and find out who he is and what he has for you and then you add temperance you begin to train yourself to live for and love God and see this is the Christianity that I desire for us this is the Christianity that I desire for my own life not the I send youth group every week I go to church that means me a good Christian no if these things be in you and abound, as First Peter says, I mean, Second Peter says, they make you that you should be, neither be barren nor unfruitful. That's a successful Christian life. Is when I have these things in my life. So I hope you're with me. I hope you understand where we're trying to go here with Second Peter. And I'm trying to add things in my life. This is not a Aaron Burton jumps up in front of you guys, 
smashes you guys. You need to be more temperate. You need to be. This is Aaron Burns studying, saying, you know what? I am not the Christian that I must be, but I desire to be. And I hope there's a couple of you who in here who would say, you know what? That's what I desire in my life. I really want to add to my faith virtue and my virtue knowledge and to that knowledge temperance. And then as we move on to find out, man, next week, patience. I want to add this into my life so I can live that Christian life. Because I believe there's a lot of people who have lived it. I think we've read about them. We've heard about them. And they've done great things for God. Not on a successful, like, big plane, but they were just faithful and did what God said. And they accomplished great things for God. That's what I desire in my life. I do. I hope you desire the same thing in yours. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for uh, the passage tonight. God, I pray that you would help us to be temperate. God, I pray that you would help Aaron Burden, Lord, not to go with what Aaron Burden's flesh desires, but Lord, put my body in subjection, Lord, so I can follow you and accomplish the purpose that you've put in my life. God, I pray that you'd have every young person do, here, do the same thing in here. And God, I know that, Lord, I am asking a lot, Lord, more than our culture asks, Lord, more than... So a lot of things in our life ask for us to, as teenagers, Lord, and as young people, stand up and be counted, Lord, to stand up and live for you. But, Lord, I pray that we would. And, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and do works in our lives. Well, thank you for everything that's accomplished. In Jesus' name, amen.